this week's episode of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'm your host once again james and i'm joined once again by nate what's up man so all right in today's episode we're going to get right into some nfl fantasy we're going to talk about some rookies that are going to be fantasy relevant for this coming season for the nfl definitely talk about i guess how they'll be potentially used in their offenses and whether they'll be getting looks or not and then uh, we'll once again jump into the NBA and the NHL playoffs. So how does that sound? Sounds good to me. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, we'll start with the NFL. And yeah, we're just going to go through some rookies. Um, I guess we'll, we'll just talk about the rookies that are, uh, I, I know there's some drafts that are going on. I guess the ones that have been drafted more. And we'll sort of talk about, I guess, how we feel about each one. So uh, we'll start with the first one here. We have Brees Hall. He's running back for the New York Jets. Um, I guess, how do you feel about Brees Hall, considering, like, Michael Carter's still there? Um, and I guess the Jets' offense as a whole, how do you think he's going to do this season? I guess looking at the depth chart, it looks like he's going to be um, he's going to be at the, the starting running back. So they're thinking about – it looks like they're thinking about um, starting Brees Hall this year. So – if he does get the start, he could end up getting a lot of, uh, I guess, rushing rush attempts. If he's a pass catching running back, he could get some catches as well. So I'd say you could maybe draft him in like the mid rounds, if that makes sense. For sure. I, I definitely agree with you. His talent level, it's really high. And yeah, it, he seems to be the top of the depth chart. So that's definitely a good sign if you're drafting someone like him. I'll move to the next one. This is Drake London, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously no Calvin Ridley for this coming season. Kyle Pitts is still there at tight end. I guess, how do you feel about a guy like Drake London if you're going into a fantasy draft? I guess since there's no um, Cal Calvin Ridley, um, if I remember correctly, they do have Kyle Pitts. Um, Atlanta, they normally have a pass-heavy offense. So um, if you're going with a rookie wide receiver, you could draft him a little bit early. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they only really have, like, Brian Edwards, Auden Tate, Demir Bird as their, like, main wide receivers, it kind of feels like Drake London could end up being that number one. I know they have a few other guys in the depth chart, but, like, yeah, him and Kyle Pitts, big guys, uh, they'll definitely be getting targeted a lot. He's probably like the best rookie wideout that's going to get the most opportunities, in my opinion. So I think he's definitely someone you can look at. I guess another guy as well, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from the Jets. So uh, we just talked about the running back position. Now we talk about the wide receiver position. I guess, how do you see things shaping out? Um, I guess with the wide re receiver position, um, for example, I guess I'll just go to Garrett for example, someone like Garrett Wilson, he's also uh, looks looks like he's going to have um, a starting role um, on the Jets. So it looks like for some of these um, rookie wide receivers, if they're getting a starting role, you could actually um, take them kind of, um, I guess, early for like a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I feel like Garrett Wilson's super talented, but they have a lot of like pretty young wide receivers there. Like they have Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios. Like I feel like 
Uh, the offense would really have to take a step forward for like most of them to be fantasy relevant. So I feel like you just got to kind of see which one or two are going to be like the main relevant guys. So uh, like I said, I would probably want to draft Garrett Wilson as high as someone like Drake London, but definitely a guy to keep an eye on out for, for sure. Um, then we got Traylon Burks from Tennessee. Um I don't know. In my opinion, I feel like he's definitely a guy you want to invest in as, um, you know, no more AJ Brown in Tennessee. Uh, he's probably going to be getting a lot of targets, how quickly he gets them. I don't know, but um, he'll definitely have a guy to learn from in Robert Woods. So I guess, how do you feel about Burks? I feel like for Burks, um, it looks like um, he might be having to kind of share some targets with Robert Woods, um, Nick Westbrook, Westbrook, he kind Tennessee, they're a pretty run-heavy team, so I guess normally first couple of downs, we're going to see Derrick Henry try to punch and hold through the um, defense first. So I'm thinking in terms of talent, he has the talent. Uh, you could maybe draft him a little bit later, and then I feel like his value would be really high if he did that. Yeah, it's definitely something to look out for. Like later in the year, it might be when he breaks out, similar to like what we saw with Amon Ross St. Brown in Detroit last year, where like first half kind of invisible, then he sort of takes the forefront in the second half. You might be able to see that with a guy like Traylon Burks. Definitely something to look out for. Um, then we have running back Kenneth Walker for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, it looks like he is right behind Rashad Penny on the depth chart and ahead of Chris Carson. I guess I don't know what the running back situation is going to look like there. I don't know. Maybe you could <laughs> dissect it because I'm not really sure which running back is going to get priority out of those three. Honestly, I don't really know either. Um, my thinking is considering that Walker is still a rookie, he'd be sitting behind in the depth chart behind Chris Carson, but it looks like they really believe in this guy. So um, maybe they'll give him some minutes depending on the talent. But even with that, there's already three really talented running backs here, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, Chris Carson. They're all going to be competing for snaps. So I feel like um, for Kenneth Walker, you might want to um, stay away from him if that makes sense. Yeah, or maybe just draft him as like a handcuff because we know both Penny and Carson have dealt with a lot of injuries over their career. So, um, I mean, you know firsthand, I believe you had Chris Carson in one of our leagues last year. So, I mean, yeah, the, both of those guys have dealt with injuries. So Walker might find his way into a starting job. Definitely something to look out for. Uh, there's Jamison Williams from the Detroit Lions, wide receiver. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on his chances of making an impact there. Jameson Williams. Uh, it looks like he might potentially have um, a starting role. Just looking at the depth chart, it looks like they're thinking about um, starting him. So he'd be there with uh, Chark Amon Ra and Amon Ra St. Browns. So, and it looks like he might be ahead of Cliff Raymond as well. So I feel like he could have some potential, but that being said, um, we still need to kind of see how far the lines have progressed. It looks like their rosters taken a bit of a step up compared to last year. But again, considering where the lines were last year, I feel like um, Jameson Williams, he could make some impact, but you might want to draft him a little bit later. Yeah, plus they have a crowded wideout room. 
They have TJ Hawkins in there at tight end as well. And I mean, Jared Goff, he's a pretty decent quarterback, but I know that they're pretty run heavy with DeAndre Swift as well. So you got to kind of see, we don't know how much um, targets he's going to get, especially out of the gate. He might not get it. So you definitely have to, I think with a lot of these rookies, they're more like they start out as like bench players for you. And then they can kind of like move up in their roles, depending on how many like targets they're getting and um, carry stuff like that. So definitely something to look out for. Um, We also have Chris Alave from the New Orleans Saints. I know the Saints just signed Landry. I think we talked about that on last week's episode. But um, yeah, I mean, you got him with guys like Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. Um, It's honestly going to depend for me how much Jameis throws the football. I guess, what are your thoughts on this offense? It's going to be hard to tell because um, there's Alvin Kamara as well. There's Mark Ingram. Obviously, you're going to want to run the ball with those two guys. So, um, I mean, Jameis Winston, I think he's a pretty decent quarterback. He's not necessarily, like, for example, one of the best in the league, but I feel like um, even with that, he's competing a little bit with Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. Um, Kind of depends on how Jameis Winston likes to throw as well. So I feel like he's another kind of, I guess, mid-round wide receiver. Yeah, I definitely say so. Um, Two guys I feel like are in similar situations is Sky Moore from Kansas City, wide receiver, and Christian Watson, Green Bay wide receiver. I mean, both of their teams, they lost their top wideouts. They both have really great quarterbacks that are going to get them the ball. I mean, I feel like you can, these are kind of like two sleeper players in similar situations. I guess, what are your thoughts on Sky Moore for the Chiefs and then Watson for the Packers? Um, I like both of those guys, especially, um, especially Watson. I mean, He's in a situation with um, Aaron Aaron Rodgers. Um, he definitely um, was looking for some wide receivers, and it looks like they brought in Watson. So he's probably going to be getting a lot of targets. I mean, obviously, when you have someone like Rodgers, you're going to want to throw the ball a lot. So I feel like um, Watson has a lot of potential. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I also wouldn't sleep on Sky more because um, – I know the Chiefs brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's, uh, he still works best uh, out of the slot. Um, I know they have Sky Moore also there in the slot. Maybe they could run him on the outside because we know how up and down uh, MVS is, Marquez Valdez-Gantling, and McCole Hardman, the, he's like Tyreek Hill light, but he's never really gotten the amount of targets. So, um, yeah, I definitely think Sky Moore might have an opportunity to do something as well. Uh, we'll get to George Pickens, wide receiver for Pittsburgh. I think my only concern with him is like, we kind of don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Um, also Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool's there. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on George Pickens. I feel like for George Pick for George Pickens, um, it's going to be kind of hard to see how, it, how he makes an impact this year. I mean, Spurs, they're still rebuilding. They got a new rookie quarterback. Um, they have a quarterback that's standing in the gap right now. Um, they don't necessarily have like a top tier quarterback at the moment. So I feel like they might end up um, running the ball a little bit more. I guess we'll kind of have to see how they decide to run their offense this year. But I feel like um, for Pickens, you might want to track him later. 
Yeah, I mean, you can definitely think back to when Claypool was a rookie. He was kind of like fourth on the depth chart, but he kind of made his way up. So if the talent's there, he definitely can do it. Um, we'll definitely have to see what happens there. Um, then we got wide out Jahan Dotson for the Washington Commanders. And I mean, outside of Terry McLaurin, I think this should be their number two guy. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it looks like um, just looking at the depth chart here, there's um, Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. So I feel like um, Carson Wentz would want to throw to Jahan Dotson a, a lot as well. Um, I feel like he should be able to um, compete effectively for targets. So, yeah, you could probably um, draft him a little bit earlier than some of the wide receivers, but you wouldn't want to draft him early, if that makes sense. For sure. And uh, we'll move to James Cook for the Buffalo Bills. I think he has a, a decent chance of becoming the starter there because neither Singletary or Zach Moss has really been super effective over the last few years for Buffalo as a running back. And Josh Allen's had to do a lot of the running himself. I feel like if James Cook really turns out, he could be that main running back for Buffalo. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like um, what I'm thinking is it's kind of like a chicken or egg situation. Like uh, it's kind of is our players like Devin Stingletary not performing because Josh Allen's doing most of the running or is Josh Allen doing most of the running because players like Zach Moss or Devin Stingletary haven't been performing. So it could come down to how the offense is structured and not necessarily the players themselves. So if it ends up coming down to that's just how they like to run their offense, then you might not want to take James Cook. But uh, if they decide to kind of um, start, like they have a game where they start him early and he performs really well, really well, then he could end up doing good. So I feel like he's kind of like a high risk, high reward kind of pick. I mean, they have a new offensive coordinator for this season, so we'll definitely have to see how they choose to run their offense. Maybe there might be some differences. We'll definitely have to find out about that. And then getting to the next one, uh, I have Rashad White running back for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Honestly, with the Bucs, you kind of don't know what you're going to get in terms of running backs. They have so many. Obviously, Fournette has sort of elevated himself to be the number one guy. You got Gio Bernard, you have White, Keyshawn Vaughn's there. I mean, what are your thoughts on this backfield? Uh, it's going to be really hard to uh, compete with Leonard Fournette and Gio Bernard. I mean, third on the depth chart, it's going to be um, really tough. So I feel like you kind of want to look for something else first. I think I agree with you there. Uh, let's get to a familiar spot with you. The Cleveland Browns, they drafted David Bell, wide receiver. Looks like he might start in the slot this year. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I guess that's going to be really interesting. Um, obviously, the Bell, the Browns, they uh, couldn't hold on to Jarvis Landry, so they had to get another slot receiver. So um, if he starts, then he could get end up getting some minutes. The only thing I'm worried about the Browns is that um, – Whenever they go to throw, who they target to is not necessarily um, the most consistent. I guess uh, we have Deshaun Watson. We don't necessarily know how he's going to, um, I guess, target his receivers yet. So I feel like with David Bell, especially considering it's a slot receiver, you might want to draft him a little bit later. For sure. Um, he might have an impact depending on if Deshaun Watson plays or not. So we definitely got to keep an eye on that. 
Then we got two guys for the Houston Texans. We have Damian Pierce, running back, and John Mechie, wide receiver. I guess out of the two, which one do you think might have the most impact? Ooh, uh, honestly, I'm not really too sure. I feel, I feel like it could uh, go either way. Pierce or Mechie, wow. Yeah, that's really going gonna to be uh, really tough to tell. Yeah, I mean, uh, it could go either way. Like you said, at running back, they already have Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, who kind of showed out for them last year, Royce Freeman, and Dare Ogunbowale. I think that's how you say his name. But yeah, they have a lot of running backs there. I might actually go with John Mechie, considering he'll have less competition. Brandon Cooks is there, who's going to be the number one. And then Nico Collins is a decent number two. And then he'd probably be the number three. So I think I might go with John Mechie in terms of impact for fantasy, considering... Davis Mills can take that step forward as a quarterback. You, you never know how much he might perform. So, um, yeah, I think I'd probably lean with Mechie out of the two, but it'll definitely be interesting to see. Uh, we've got Isaiah Spiller running back for the Chargers. Obviously, Austin Eckler is the number one there. I guess, do you think he could be a solid number two? Um, It's going to be hard to tell. I feel like if Austin Eckler is going to be healthy for most of the season, they might just end up just running him until he's, he's uh, I guess, injured, if that makes sense. So I feel like for Isaiah Spiller, he might be more of a handcuff. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Uh, Trey McBride, uh, tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, is here. I just don't know how much uh, targets he's going to get, considering, like, they re-signed Zacherts. Max Williams is still there. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you also have to keep in mind tight ends don't get targets in general. So if it's not somebody like really... Unless you're Travis Kelsey. Yeah, unless you're Travis Kelsey or you're um, Kittle, then you probably wouldn't want to draft them. Like, Zach Ertz is really talented, so maybe you could draft him. But a rookie tight end, it's going to be really hard to justify, especially if they're not first on the depth chart. Yeah, I definitely agree. Plus, they got solid wide receivers there as well. So it's going to be really tough. Our next one's a quarterback. We got Kenny Pickett at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I guess, what are your thoughts on him potentially starting over Mitch Trubisky? Do you think there's a possibility for that? Um, I feel like um, my feeling is like coaches, they, what they should do most of the time is kind of let the rookie sit behind um, a veteran, kind of let show show the rookie the ropes first kind of ease in into the starting role because if you just start him right away you could end up um i guess like messing up his development so i feel like he might not start until like halfway through the season so if you draft him you have to kind of keep in mind he's not going to be starting every game yeah, for sure. I guess looking at some of the other quarterbacks here, I think he has the highest chance of starting uh, because, of course, Malik Willis has to deal with like Ryan Tannehill being the starter. Desmond Ritter has Marcus Mariota in front of him. We'll see if Ritter potentially could start. Matt Corral's in Carolina. He'll be competing against Sam Darnold. And then, of course, you have Sam Howell in Washington, who's going to be competing with Carson Wentz. So, um, Definitely all five of them do have a chance to start, but I definitely think Kenny Pickett's in the best spot because Trubisky is talented, but Pickett, he's a first-round quarterback. They want to get him in as soon as possible, I feel like. Yeah, that makes sense to me. 
All right, and uh, we'll get into a few more wide receivers here. Alec Pierce from the Colts, Jalen Tolbert from the Cowboys, and Wandale Robinson from the New York Giants. I guess out of these three, which one do you think has the best chance to sort of take that step forward this year? I think for these teams, it's going to kind of depend on who's at uh, uh, quarterback. Um, I guess I'm kind of uh, liking Pierce and I'm kind of liking Tolbert as well. Uh, Wandale Robinson, it's going to be kind of hard to tell because the Giants, they haven't uh, been at their best lately. So I feel like you might want to stay away from uh, Wandale Robinson, but you could lean maybe towards Pierce or Tolbert. Yeah, I was probably going to say the same thing. Of course, Matt Ryan throwing the football in Indy and then Dak Prescott in Dallas. Both those offenses should have a lot of air targets. So both of them definitely could end up with a lot of targets. Um, Wandale Robinson, you got to honestly see how the offense is run. Of course, new coaching staff and stuff in New York. Um, I guess other wide receivers, I guess, further down. You got Khalil Shakir in Buffalo. Uh, and Tyquan Thornton in New England. I guess, what are your thoughts on these two guys? Tyquan Thornton, Khalil. I feel like with Khalil Shakir, he could end up having a chance to get targets just because um, Buffalo likes to throw the ball a lot. So even if he's kind of a deep wide receiver, if you draft him late, he still could get some value for you. Um, Tyquan Thornton, Kind of depends on how uh, Belichick kind of sees his potential. So it's kind of hard for me to tell. Yeah, honestly, I agree with that. Of course, Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker are probably going to be like the top two receivers, in my opinion, for the Patriots. And then I think Thornton does have the chance to become the number three. He'll be competing with guys like Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar guys like that so we'll definitely have to see how things work out obviously the tight ends are going to have priority we saw how hunter henry had that breakout season last year we'll see if johnu smith's used a bit more as well so mac jones should have a lot of great targets to throw to we'll definitely have to see how good the offense there is for this coming season um got a couple other players here uh, we'll finish off with tight ends actually We've got Jelani Woods for the Colts and Greg uh, I don't know how you pronounce this Dolchich I think you pronounce it Greg Dolchich for the Denver Broncos I guess how do you feel about these two tight ends Um, again it's hard to say because tight ends in general don't really get targets so I'm not really too uh, sure honestly I think with the Broncos, just taking a look at the depth chart, looks like they already have Albert O there. So, again, if they do get targets, Greg Dolchich is going to be competing with Albert O. So, um, maybe you might not want to go with go with Albert O. You could maybe go with Jelani Woods, but again, tight ends don't necessarily get too many targets. Yeah, I would probably agree with you and go with Jelani Woods, considering he only has Mo Ali Cox to compete with. Um, and I think the Indianapolis offense, although they have been relying on Jonathan Taylor, they might be throwing a little bit more this year uh, with a guy like Matt Ryan there at quarterback. So there is a chance Jelani Woods is maybe potentially in the end zone, get a lot of targets. So definitely something uh, to look out for, for sure. And yeah, I think we pretty much covered the main positions in fantasy for rookies. I guess, do you have any last thoughts? Um, I feel like uh, this year there's going to be kind of 
a lot of wide receivers that you can kind of uh, choose from for rookies. So if you don't necessarily um, get like the wide receiver that you want, that's kind of in the early or middle rounds, you can kind of go for a wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver this year. And um, they have pretty high ceilings and there's a lot of teams that like to throw the ball. So yeah, you shouldn't really worry too much if you don't get the wide receiver that you want. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to be drafting a lot of young guys. And these young guys, they're going to be given plenty of opportunity to get targets and snaps. So, um, yeah, definitely something to look out for. Great rookie class for this year. And, yeah, um, I definitely agree. Uh, there's a lot of um, great uh, rookies you could sort of get at the end of your draft. So definitely instead of just sort of adding vets to your bench, maybe you want to sprinkle in some rookies there and you might get some guys that might break out and help you in the fantasy playoffs. So it's definitely something interesting to see. All right. Yeah. That's pretty much the end of fanatics football. So we'll move to big time basketball. We'll get to the NBA playoffs. Uh, and yeah, we'll look at some of the series going on. Um, yeah. Let's start with the Western conference finals. Um it is the Golden State Warriors up on the Dallas Mavericks, one to zero. The Warriors are the third seed and the Mavericks are the fourth seed. Um, I guess looking at the game one of the series, the Warriors won 112 to 87. Of course, Steph Curry led the Warriors with 21 points and he led them with 12 rebounds. Luka Doncic led Dallas with 20 points, seven rebounds and four assists, while Kevon Looney had four assists to lead the Warriors. I guess, give me your thoughts on the first game of this series. I feel like this was kind of a defensive um, showcase from the Warriors. Um, I mean, the Mavericks, they didn't have necessarily the best team shooting. And the Warriors were kind of able to capitalize on that. They put a lot of pressure on, on the Mavericks. So um, I guess hopefully the Mavericks will be able to bounce back. From that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Golden State, like I, I know that they had kept it close a little bit at the beginning, the, the Mavericks, but Golden State just kind of sort of stepped on the gas there. Like you can see third and fourth quarter, they just dominated. Uh, and yeah, Dallas, they need some kind of answers. Um, obviously, uh, in Golden State, it is going to be tough for them to get wins, but we know how good of a home team Dallas is. So even if they go down 2 0, if they can tie it up at home, then they definitely have a chance of taking game five as well. Um, we'll sort of move now into, I guess, the odds for the next game. Friday will be game two. Uh, the Warriors are favored by six and a half at home. Um, do you think the Warriors will be able to dominate and cover again, or do you like Dallas here? I feel like the Warriors are at home. I feel like uh, the Mavericks, they, they could adjust, but... Yeah, I guess maybe we'll see the Mavericks cover this one. Yeah, I think I might go to Golden State on this one. I feel like that they get games one and two done. And then I think when it goes back to Dallas, I think that's when we see Dallas really step up. Uh, obviously, yeah, it could go either way. We'll definitely have to see about it. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of like the way Golden State's playing right now. They just dominated game one. I think we can kind of expect them to sort of come out the same way in game two. Um, but yeah, let's move right to the Eastern Conference now. The Miami Heat 
uh, we're leading the series 1-0 coming into Thursday night's game, which I believe is still going on right now as we're recording. Um, but yeah, Boston is cleaning up. Uh, it's in the fourth quarter. They're out by like, what, like all, almost 30 to 40. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a Boston win. They're going to tie the series at 1-1. Uh, for this game, uh, you got Jason Tatum leading Boston in points with Marcus Smart leading in rebounds and in assists. Uh, you got Jimmy Butler there leading Miami in points uh, during the game. And Bam Adebayo is leading them in rebounds and Tyler Hero. Um, is leading Miami in assists. So um, I guess give me your thoughts uh, on this series. Uh, it should be 1-1 coming out of this game, and they'll be heading to Boston now. Yeah, I guess this is um, really surprising, but I guess it just kind of shows how much impact um, a player like Marcus Smart has. If I remember correctly, Marcus Smart um, was out with a foot injury in game one. So that gave the, the opportunity to kind of capitalize on that. And now that he's back, um, the Celtics can more than keep up with the Heat. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how the Heat uh, does against the Celtics at the Celtics home. I think it's going to be tough for Miami going into Boston. Uh, we saw game seven against Milwaukee, how Boston just took care of business at home. I definitely think that this Boston team, I mean, they got Al Horford back as well in this game. And yeah, they, they just look really solid. Uh, Miami, they might be missing a guy like Kyle Lowry. They might have also met their match in this series as well because Boston is a very good defensive team. I mean, this game might end and Miami might not even reach 90 points the way that this defense has been going for Boston. So yeah, really solid overall. And I definitely think that the Celtics, they could go to Miami for game five with a three to one series lead. I don't think we we would be surprised there. But speaking of the next game, oh, it, I believe that it is on Saturday night. We don't have any odds for it. I would expect the Celtics to be favored, maybe around three or four points, maybe more than that. I'm not sure. I guess, uh, would you see the Celtics winning and covering, or how do you see this um, game going? I mean, seeing that the Celtics are ruling out the heat in an away game, and now the Celtics are at home, if it was like, only plus three to plus four, you'd have to take that for winning the cover. Yeah, I mean, um, especially with a healthy lineup, I would have to take Boston. I, it might be a bit more than that. Maybe it becomes like minus five, minus six, but definitely um, anything below maybe like seven or eight, I'd probably take Boston. If not, uh, then after that, I might be looking to take Miami. But yeah, definitely agree. If this Boston team's healthy, I feel like they're really solid especially at home. Um, but yeah, two series going on right now. The Eastern and Western finals will definitely be interested to see which two teams come out and head to the NBA finals. But I guess any last thoughts uh, on uh, everything going on in the NBA? I'm really impressed with the Celtics right now. Um, they've been on the tear the entire playoffs. Um, they've been trying to make it to the NBA finals for a few years now. Um, they weren't able to make it, but this is basically their opportunity. I mean, I rem I rem if I remember correctly, I think it was during um, a previous playoff, the Heat and the Celtics played before, but the Heat were able to beat the Celtics. But now it looks like the Celtics are have the opportunity to kind of take their revenge and get to the NBA Finals. 
For sure. I guess what are your thoughts on Jason Tatum potentially being able to carry this team to an NBA championship? I mean, they'd have to face the winner of the um, Mavs Warriors series. So uh, two really dominant teams in both the Mavericks and the Warriors, but um, the Celtics have a really strong home crowd. They're doing really well against the Heat. They did uh, that they did uh, really well against the Bucks as well. The Bucks were the defending champions. So, I mean, the Celtics, they'd have a chance. I definitely agree. I really like the Celtics team this year. Probably one of the best defenses I've seen all year. So uh, I definitely think that they have a chance to uh, not only go to the finals, but win it all, depending on who they face. But yeah, um, the Western Conference Finals, I've really liked Golden State. I've been saying I want to see Warriors against Celtics. It could happen. Uh, you never know. Um, but, yeah, we'll definitely see if Dallas can bounce back. I'm definitely excited to see uh, the next game in that series. And, yeah, um, that's pretty much going to be it for big-time basketball for this week. So I'm going to bounce it to you for everything NHL. Sure. So for everything NHL, uh, we're going to – uh, be looking at the playoffs right now. Um, we have some really exciting series going on for the NHL playoffs, and we'll start with the uh, eastern side of the playoffs again. We'll start off with the Battle of Florida, and uh, what are your thoughts so far? Tampa Bay's up 2 nothing in this series, and I mean, they look like the defending champs that they are. Of course, Florida's the one seed, but yeah, Tampa, they get a, a big win in game one. And then Thursday night, a clutch win in game two. Corey Perry and Ross Colton scoring for Tampa Bay. And E2 lost to Ryan in. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Scored for uh, Florida. Uh, but the only thing is, uh, it was 1-1 for like an entire two periods, pretty much. And then in the third period, with three seconds left, Tampa Bay wins it. So it was about to go to overtime. Like 3.8 seconds is insane to be able to score. That's like next level clutch. But if anyone knows clutch, Tampa Bay, they won two straight cups. I don't know what else to say. This team could probably just win a third straight cup, and I probably wouldn't even be surprised at this point. Yeah, it looks like they're basically a modern-day uh, dynasty in the NHL. So it's really um, impressive to see the consistency that they kind of uh, bring to the playoffs. Um, I guess just taking a look at game three for the Battle of Florida, um, what are your thoughts on that? I honestly am probably going to have to pick Tampa Bay to win that. I mean, they're at home now. Uh, they, they won two games on the road, which is not easy to do. Uh, and yeah, they're coming back home. I, I'm probably going to have to go with them. The way they've been playing, absolutely. Uh, I'll pick Tampa for that one. I guess if they're up 3-0, that's uh, going to be a bit of a mountain to climb for the Panthers. Normally, they say if you're down 3-0 uh, or you're down 3-1, um, the team that's favored is probably going to win this series. So um, if the Panthers don't find a way to kind of clutch it out at Tampa Bay's home, uh, would you say that it's, I guess, over for the Panthers? Oh, yeah, for sure. This Tampa Bay team's not going to choke a 3-0 or a 3-1 lead because, I mean, they are the defending champs. They know how to get it done. 
this team's battled it out for years. So yeah, you can't let Tampa get a 3-0 lead on you and think you can come back. It's not going to happen. Yeah, so this is basically do or die for Florida right now. Yeah, absolutely. Next game's must win, but I I have to go with Tampa. They've just been so solid. For sure. And uh, moving on to the next Eastern game, we have Carolina versus the New York Rangers. Um, the series just um, started for the most part. Um, Carolina leads 1-0. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, first game, I think the Rangers led like the whole game, if I remember correctly. Let me just pull up the goal scorers there. The Rangers, they, they scored in the first period uh, of game one, and they led pretty much the whole game. Um, their goal score, I believe, was Philip Heal. And then in the third period with like two minutes left, Sebastian Ajo tied it up. They went to overtime. And then Ian Cole, unlikely hero for Carolina. So Carolina literally needed the last two minutes of the third period and then overtime just to beat the Rangers. Rangers must have been disappointed. They played so well the whole game to hold their lead. And then they just gave it up um, in overtime. And yeah, uh, Carolina, in my opinion, is the better team. Obviously, the Rangers have the better goalie because Carolina is Freddie Anderson. He's still hurt. Um, but anti rant has been solid as a backup. He's been playing just as well as Anderson probably would have. So yeah, I don't think Carolina looks shorthanded by any means. I think they're definitely good enough. And uh, I mean, game two, yeah, right back on Carolina. I definitely think they can win uh, the next game. I mean, this series is still, um, still, still a little bit young as the, as a series goes on, we'll probably kind of see how it shapes out, but just kind of, taking an early prediction um, how far do you see the series going uh, I know Carolina hasn't lost a home game the entire playoffs so uh five or six potentially uh, and I think Carolina does get it done sure and uh, now we'll move on to the western side of the playoffs and we have the Colorado Avalanche uh, leading one game against the St. Louis Blues um, what are your thoughts so far in the series? All right, so game two of that series is currently going on as we're recording, and St. Louis is up one nothing in the second period. So we'll definitely have to see if Colorado can catch up or else the series could end up being tied. Um, I think if Colorado wins this game and goes up 2-0, I think St. Louis will have some kind of desperation to try and win um, game three. So I think I'd probably go with St. Louis in that sense. And then I think if the Blues tie the series here, I think maybe you go with Colorado. That's kind of how I see it. Oh, yeah, Jordan Cairo scored in this game. Yeah, he's been on fire lately. He's been playing really well for the Blues. Um, but, yeah, um, I think uh, usually uh, the way I see it is that um, the Avs, uh, they'll bounce back if they lose, and the Blues will probably bounce back if they lose. So that's probably who I'd go with. I guess. So how do you see the series um, shaping up? I think Colorado wins maybe in five or six. Uh, I was predicting maybe like four or five earlier, but the way I've seen the Blues play, they're playing them tight. Uh, they should be able to pull out one or two games. For sure. And uh, moving on to the last, um, I guess, game, but it looks like it's going to be a really exciting series, um, Calgary Flames and Edmonton Oilers. I mean, the first game was really high scoring. I think Calgary won nine to the Oilers six. So I've never Crazy. seen a, I've never seen like a, a score line like that in hockey before. 
Um, what are your thoughts? Let's run through all the goal scorers here. So uh, it was tied 6-6 at the beginning of the third period. So the first six goal scorers for the Flames, Elias Lindholm, Andrew Majapani, Brett Ritchie, Blake Coleman, Blake Coleman again, and Matthew Kachuk. And then for the Oilers, you got Connor McDavid, Evan Bouchard, Zach Hyman, Zach Hyman again, Leon Dreisaitl, and Kyer Yamamoto, which was insane. How the Oilers were able to come back and tie it was amazing. And then Calgary just really put on the gas. Rasmus Anderson, Matthew Kachuk, and then Matthew Kachuk completing the hat trick to win 9-6. to six. This game, this was the best game of the entire second round easily. This series is probably going to be insane. Um yeah, game one, both teams' defenses and goaltenders got exposed. And then I guess as for game two, I really think the Oilers can tie up this series. If Calgary does go up 2 nothing, though, uh, doubt might creep in for the Oilers. So I think they get it done in game two. For sure. I mean, both teams, they're really competitive. They're both in Alberta. So how far do you see the battle of Alberta going? I'd love to see seven games, uh, six or seven for me, for sure. Sure. And I guess any team can basically take it then. Yeah, I agree. Any team could take it. I, I don't know. I'm probably going to be cheering for the Oilers just because I like a lot of the players on their squad. But I feel like Calgary might be the better team overall. So I think both teams have a very equal chance of being able to take this series. For sure. I mean, both teams, they're trying to make a run. In the Oilers, they've been trying to prove that they might be a young team, but they're still a good team and they can definitely make a deep playoff push. Cal- Calgary, um, they haven't uh, been, I guess, deep in the playoffs for a while, so they've been trying to uh, get back to that point. So it'll definitely be interesting to see either team uh, make it, um, even if they don't make it all the way, I guess, like the next uh, best thing if possible and i guess just what are your final thoughts on the playoffs so far yeah the playoffs have been pretty crazy pretty exciting um i definitely think that a a lot of the really solid teams are still in the playoffs like tampa bay colorado calgary some of these teams um i think that um yeah even carolina like i said there's a lot of still really strong teams really cup contending level teams left in the playoffs so i think each and every series is going to be great uh, I can't wait to see what the East and West finals are going to look like. And then the Stanley cup finals. So definitely really exciting so far. For sure. I feel like um, for both conferences, it looks like a lot of the really strong teams, they kind of got matched up against each other really early. So if you were a solid team facing kind of uh, a good team, but not necessarily extremely solid team, then you're probably going to make it um, really far. And I guess for uh, teams that are um, just, I guess, like decently solid, but not really solid, if if those two teams face each other, then I guess they they kind of lucked out as well. But teams, for example, like Washington, like the the Leafs who had to face Tampa Bay in round one, it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, It looks like um, Tampa Bay could be kind of the favorites for the entire series and in the west it looks like maybe st louis or colorado could maybe go all the way to the stanley cup but what are your thoughts yeah i think you pretty much hit it on the head i love tampa on the east and in the west colorado still the favorite if st louis beats them like you said they could go all the way so yeah 
uh, definitely agree there. We'll definitely have to see how things shape out. Sure. And uh, that about ends everything NHL. And that about ends the Fantasy Fanatics uh, podcast for this week. So if you liked what you watched, you can subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, uh, leave us a like, leave us a review, give us your thoughts on the NFL, the NBA playoffs, and the NHL playoffs. If you like what you listen to, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. And if you need some sports picks, you can follow us at FanFan Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you guys next week.